<laughs> yeah. That's right. Oh, yeah. Husk, what's up? Living your truth. I know what I want and I know what I need. Living my truth is really hard, but it's setting me free. Ain't got no time for the faking, cause the love is the point. The love, if they baby. knock me down, then I, I get up. Dust myself off, love myself in the best way. They want you to fall and have nothing to say. Don't make a move, don't make a move, don't make a sound. Don't make a sound. I've come too far, I've come too far to give up now. I know that's right. This is Living Your Truth with Tavares. Welcome back to the show. This is Living Your Truth. I am Tavares, and thank you so much for being here with me today, as we are always here every Saturday. I want to thank you all for your time and for your energy. I know you have many choices, so thank you for choosing Living Your Truth with Tavares podcast. Means an it means a lot, really does. Today we're talking about alcohol. If you've been following the show since the beginning, then you know that I've been very transparent with my drinking career. I've been transparent about things that I've done, things that I'm ashamed of, uh, and I'll continue to share these things because they are a part of my journey. They are a part of my evolution. They are a part of healing. And so for anyone who's struggling with alcohol right now, I feel you. And I'm here to let you know that you are not alone. I'm here to let you know that you will have better days. I'm here to let you know that if you want to, you will come out the other side and you will be victorious. <clears throat> with myself and how I've man, the things that I've done, the places that I've been and my experiences uh, and how they relate to alcohol. Um, you know, I've shown my ass. I've not been a nice person. I've lost a lot. I have blown opportunities. You know, I understand having a good time. Um, you know, there was a time where I enjoyed drinking a lot. Too much, in fact. And I never thought that it would really come to be what it came to be and how it is now a part of who I will be forever. Um, I was into promoting into that whole scene, into the club scene, love going out. Um, a lot of my friends that I was in, you know, that we would hang out with at the time, we all were involved in promoting. We were all involved in somehow, some capacity of the promoting world, whether it was selling the tickets, promoting the parties, um, you know, whatever the case is, we were involved. And so alcohol was always a part of that ambiance, even during some of the meetings where we had to go meet with like bar managers or club managers. Um, alcohol was always a part of those uh, those meetings. And alcohol obviously played a big role in you having a successful night in the nightclub industry. Uh, we had to provide bar guarantees. For those of you that are familiar with, you know, bars and the club life, you understand, you know, what a bar guarantee is. Um, they wanted it so that the party that we brought, uh, we could guarantee, you know, X amount of dollars to be sold at the bar in liquor sales. So 
we were always promoting alcohol. There was always, you know, we'd have Heineken come out and help promote. We'd have, um, who else was coming out? Sky, vodka, they came out quite a bit to help promote. So as it was all fun and dandy and things were going well, I never knew that I was going to be heading into this hole, if you will. And sure enough, before I knew it, I was drinking not only on the weekends, you know, Friday to Sunday, but it was like Thursday to Monday. And then it would go from, you know, Wednesday to, you know, Tuesday. And it would just keep growing and keep growing and keep growing. And I realized that I was also associating the alcohol with times where I was stressed and where I was just ready to blow off some steam. I would call it letting my hair down. And so here I am always finding either an excuse to drink. I'm always able to justify why I'm drinking and why I'm drinking earlier than everyone else. Why I'm having a beer at like 10 in the morning on a Saturday morning, especially if football season is around. Right. Right. So my experiences with alcohol and how I came to have a problem, you know, I felt like the signs, at least to myself, they were all just flying under the radar. I was able to normalize every single thing that I was doing. I was able to justify every single action I was doing or you saw me doing. If I was on vacation, you had nothing for me because I'm on vacation. Therefore, I could drink when I wanted to. If I wanted to start with a mimosa, I would start with a mimosa. And then that would go ahead and that would, you know, we'd segue into something like, you know, maybe some wine or something. I'm trying to, you know, you don't want to turn up too early because I wanted to keep that buzz going. So, yeah, it would progress to wine. And then after the wine, you know, you maybe want something a little more stiff. So I get, you know, the vodka, you know. But if I want to kind of chill and again, enjoy that buzz, you know, I may have a, a beer or two. I didn't realize how dehydrating alcohol also made me. I was drinking often. And when I got to, we, I was living in Arizona. That was about 2008. And lived there for a few years. And during my time in Arizona, my drinking definitely turned up. I turned it up. You know, new surroundings. I was stressed out about the move. Also excited too. So it wasn't like, you know, a complete like downer. The whole experience going to Arizona was a pretty cool experience. Um, you know, we moved into a very beautiful home. The neighborhood that we moved into was a new development. And the, I believe the medium um, age on the street at the time was 32 to like 35. So everybody on the street was, you know, young, really young. And that was, you know, that was a great thing until, you know, obviously alcohol gets brought out and everyone's chilling. It's Arizona. So you could imagine it's hot. Um, the nights are very nice. And so everyone on the street would have their garages open and we would pretty much house hop right to each other's uh, driveways or garages Cocktails are being served. Beers are being served. I mean, it's a party. It's really a street party. Like, it, and that was often. So, 
My experiences with alcohol, I've always been able to normalize it. I've always been able to justify it. I've always been able to have it just be, eh, it, you know, it, it, that's just what it is. Well, then I caught my first DUI. This is Living Your Truth with Tavares. We'll be right back. Sit tight. We're paying some bills and we'll be right back. Hey, you guys, Tavares here from Living Your Truth Podcast. I just wanted to say thank you so much to everybody who is on social media showing love. If you've liked a picture on Instagram or you liked a post on Facebook or Twitter, I see y'all. We appreciate it over here. Absolutely appreciate it because that's your time and that's your energy. Please Also, be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to your podcast at. That is important. I want everyone to have access to the show, and I don't want you guys to miss any of the upcoming episodes ever. Set your alerts. Be sure to follow. We will follow back. Believe that. I will follow back. I will make sure. Okay? Excuse me. And real quick, I don't want to act like Things aren't happening over in Ukraine. Things are happening and they're bad. So I just want to send love and to let Ukraine know we stand with them. Welcome back to the show. This is Living Your Truth with Tavares. As I was saying, then I caught my first DUI. We're talking about alcohol today, y'all. And, uh, We're on our way home from the club. This is in Arizona. And I mean, look, we were within a third of a mile of arriving at home. And this is when things tend to happen, at least for me. That's how my luck was when I was drinking. You know, you think you're getting away with it. And then all of a sudden, boom, you get hit with it. So we get pulled over and, um, Man, almost, almost home. Get out the car. You know, where are you coming from? Have you had, you know, anything to drink? So I do the field sobriety test and I pass it. He sits me down. Wait here, sir. I'm like, ain't this about it? You know what I'm saying? Knowing that the longer you sit and at the time... It was a nice night. It wasn't too cold. Um, And if you know about Arizona at night, it typically gets pretty chilly um, when it's not summer. So I'm sitting there and he comes over again and I blow in this breathalyzer again. And I nail it around the nose. Point oh eight. He says, sit down, sir. And I'm like, ain't this you, you, you know where this is going, right? Right. So at the time out there, they have these um, like these like mobile stations. So I get sighted and I get sent home. Sucked because what came after, that's what really sucked. The costs, right? Oh, my goodness. And then I had to have one of those breath things in my car. Oh, man. The cost of that thing, man. Had I known that breathalyzers were going to be a thing, (laughs) 
I would have definitely invested. No question about it, because what they get paid for what what those companies charge to have that unit installed and then what the companies charge for the unit and then how much they charge for the monthly access. And then I'm not sure how much of you know about those breathalyzers, but if you violate, they charge you for that. A violation basically would be, um, well, blowing in the contraption and you not being cleared to start your car or drive. They charge you for that because all of that stuff is electronic and it's digital and that's how they transfer the information. So there were a couple of times where, you know, and look, I'm being transparent. I was still drinking even after the first DUI. Again, this is what I thought I had control of this thing, right? Right. See, that's where I had already lost the battle. But did I know? Not at all. Like, I'm still at this point in my life, I'm like midway through my drinking career. And, um, you know, I think I've outsmarted the fox even after getting a DUI. Yeah, I know. Go figure. Right. Right. So I'm still drinking. I'm manipulating ways around the breathalyzer. You know, um, I even figured that. You know, certain things I couldn't drink. For example, I couldn't drink vodka the night before and then think that I was going to hop in my car at, say, seven or eight in the morning to go to the gym. Vodka's too heavy, too heavy on the breath. It's still there. Right. Um, Alcohol is in, you know, it's it's in our blood. It's in the, you know, as we, you know, our sweat. So it's coming out of us. Right. So I had to like stop drinking, say, at like two in the morning if I was going to hop in my car by seven. Wine, I could drink a little later into the night um, because it's not as heavy as vodka. Weird, right? And then, of course, Listerine. Yeah, I know. I know. That could be a violation, too. So as I'm going through my drinking career, I'm learning all these cool little things that I'm sharing here with you now. And all of it was costing me. All of it was costing me financially, costing me emotionally. The relationship I was in at the time it definitely was costing me that as well. I wasn't treating people right. Um, and my attitude was bad. I was snapping at people. Um, I was always um, agitated. There was always a degree of agitation. Now, I grew up around alcohol. My mom always had, you know, a tumbler of brandy. For those of you that don't know what a tumbler is, it's that smaller cup that people tend to have cocktails in. Uh, not so much of like a, uh, not a wine glass, obviously, and not a flute, um, but, you know, just a little something, a couple inches tall, not too deep. And so I was around alcohol all the time. My uncles would drink, my aunts drink, my cousins drink, my friends drink. So again, it was normalized <clears throat> around me. It was never taboo. And then, you know, as I'm going through my drinking career, again, I'm able to justify everything, right? My actions, my attitude, my mood swings, all of it. My performance at work. I mean, it got to a point where, look, at one of my most lowest points, and look, it, I didn't appear low. For all intents and purposes, I looked, everything was on the up. There was no cracks in my armor, so to speak, right? So I didn't look a kind of way. I mean, again, I was able to make this thing look good. So why would I think that I had a problem? I never thought I had a problem. And that's the same struggles many people are facing today. 
you might be facing that today. You may know someone facing that today, right? They may know someone. They may have a loved one who's really struggling right now to stop drinking. Their life may depend on it. My life depended on it. I believe that. I would not be here today breathing with you right here, right now, if I had not stopped drinking. That is my belief. That is my truth. That's me being completely transparent because I wasn't getting it. And so midway through, we were hosting a Sunday dinner. On the menu was chicken cordon bleu and veggies and sides and all that. And we were having some early Sunday dinner guests come over. They came over. And um, all of a sudden, I began to feel like I thought it was over. I thought my life was over. My breathing became shallow. My chest became tight. All my limbs, my fingers, my hands, everything became tight. Well, I was having a massive panic attack. Didn't know it at the time, though. So for those of you who know what that feels like and can relate. Oh, my goodness. I'm so sorry if you've ever experienced that. I thought it was over. So. I yell out to my then girlfriend at the time. She hears just the way my voice sounded comes running into the room. I'm on the bed on my back. I can't speak. My lips have like buckled almost like someone had put their foot on my chest and my stomach. And they stopped one time and pushed all the air out of my body. All the air. That's what it felt like. This is Living Your Truth. We'll be right back. What you say? I heard it through the grapevine. Remember, practice positive self-talk. Treat yourself. Don't cheat yourself. Welcome back to the show. This is Living Your Truth with Tavares. Thank you for being here. We're talking about alcohol. And so I'm going to jump back into the story. So I'm having a massive panic attack. And the reason I'm having a massive panic attack is because the week prior, I had began drinking tall boys in the morning before work. If you don't know what a tall boy is, we call tall boys the 24-ounce cans. That's what we call tall boys. Right? Okay. Follow? Follow. Great. So I had begin, and I was drinking cheap beer, by the way, uh, black ice. <laughs> if y'all know what that is. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. Anyways, the point is I have became not only frivolous with my drinking, I had and I didn't even know it, but I had began to medicate. Now, I can't even tell you what was stressing me out or if anything was at that time. I can tell you that I was enjoying to drink and I was enjoying it so much that I thought I could do it. Anytime I wanted to. And that's how I began drinking the tall boys in the morning. Now, my then girlfriend, she didn't know this because she was already gone to work. So when she looked in the fridge, she saw the two tall boys. But as far as she knew, they were going to be saved until later on, you know, in the evening after work. So she never knew that I was killing them and then replacing them before she got home. These are the things that alcohol was making me do. Or should I say... These are the things that I was doing when I was intoxicated. 
See, alcohol is not for the human body. It's ethanol. It's poison to the human body, period. Look it up. You can fact check that. So I'm drinking in the morning and then going to work and killing it, performing at work, killing it, like doing my damn thing, right? No one at work knew the difference. My manager didn't really care because I was filling those buckets. If you know about cell phone sales, and you understand how the matrix, how the metrics works and how you get paid um, with new um, new activations and upgrades and all that. Then you will understand, you know, buckets and metrics and how that works and how it keeps the sales reps um, motivated. So what they didn't know was that I was, you know, I had a little liquid courage added to my motivation to hit those metrics. And I was hitting them. So my manager didn't trip. No one ever smelled the alcohol on me, or if they did, then they didn't say anything. Uh, and my customer service has always been top notch, like top tier award winning customer service. So I was able to maneuver and manipulate the cell, and I was able to close. And so here I am having a great old time, and you wouldn't know if I was right in front of you, and I'm buzzing like a beehive. And so I realized that now I'm functioning like I'm functioning. And so back to the story of the massive panic attack. So that day, that all that drinking, all of that drinking prior to that Sunday evening dinner, the dehydration had caught up with me. And that's what happened. So I'm thrown into the car. My then girlfriend rushes me to the hospital and we're, I mean, she's running through lights. The couple that came over for dinner, they're following us through all these lights. I mean, this is a complete, I mean, it, it was crazy. It was dramatic. It was crazy. I mean, I was crying. I thought I was dying. It was crazy. This is part of the reason why I stopped drinking. You would think it would be the whole reason. Yeah, uh-uh, not so much, not so much. After... My brief stay in the hospital and they pretty much gave me an IV and they got me all hydrated. I went home. I didn't drink for maybe two weeks. And then slowly but surely, yep, you guessed it. Right back into the right back into the groove of things, you know, and now I'm thinking, okay, I'll try to manipulate how I drink. In other words, I'll try to mitigate. I'll, you know. If I'm going to drink before noon, I'll just drink a mimosa. If I'm going to drink before five, no vodka, but you could drink beer and wine. If I was going to be traveling internationally, I could drink anytime as long as I didn't have vodka before noon. Be Why? You ask? I'm going to tell you so that I wouldn't pass out. I wanted to enjoy the day. The best way for me to enjoy the day was to try to put together uh, a plan, if you will, a plan of attack, a plan of how I would drink my way into the evening and still be coherent and still be up and awake and alert. Did it work? Sometimes it did. Sometimes it didn't. The point is, is that I was so attached to alcohol that I was making it fit with me and my schedule, no matter where I was at. And I was making it fit so that I would not appear a kind of way to the others around me. 
why did I care what they thought? I don't know. I mean, I guess, you know, when you're the only one drinking at like 10 in the morning, eh, you might start to look, you know, you might, you might start to care how you look or not. And that was my thing. I got to a point where I stopped caring. I gave two you-know-whats about what you thought about what I was doing because, I mean, you weren't paying my bills. So, mm. and really, again, I didn't look weathered. Like, I didn't look beat up. Like, the alcohol, I, I, at least I thought I didn't, right? Right. We think we look good when we looking all, you know, <laughs> we're the one partying, but sometimes we look like trash. And so, I kept on and I drank myself right into more bad situations. Um, I was in and out of work and my sleep patterns were garbage. My diet was garbage. And I didn't even realize, but I had put on a lot of weight. See, again, when you see yourself all the time, you don't really notice that. But other people begin to notice and they begin to ask you, hey, is everything okay? This is Living Your Truth. I am Tavares. We will be right back. Welcome back to the show. This is Living Your Truth with Tavares. We are talking about alcohol. So I'm going to continue on with this story. So, you know, people will take notice and they'll begin to ask questions. They will become very inquisitive, especially if they love you. And so I would push my friends away or deflect, really. I was really good at that, too. I was good at playing it down, not knowing that I'm seriously struggling within my body. Like, I'm seriously struggling. And alcohol just doesn't affect us, you know, physically or emotionally. It also affects us mentally. And don't get it twisted. Drinking alcohol is very bad for us. But the days that follow are extremely bad for us. That's why a lot of the times people will wake up and say bad moods. They'll go through mood swings, especially if they drink all the time like I was. There's seven days in a week. I probably had, well, at my worst, I probably drank... Maybe 22 days straight. Yeah, that's a lot of alcohol. And I was still in the gym. I was still working out. I truly credit my motivation for fitness as another huge contributor as to why I'm here breathing today. Even during my party years, I was always fit or involved in fitness somehow, some way. And so, and look, I'm not saying, and I'm not, glorifying that and glamour no what i'm saying is i was probably closer to a heart attack than i was to being healthy every time i was in the gym after a night of drinking if you're binge drinking you're also doing just as much damage if you're having more than four drinks in a two to four hour time frame you're binge drinking okay And not because I say it like you could fact check that one too. Alcohol, I understand, brings people together. I know it's fun. You know, the advertisement and marketing companies 
um, and the beer companies, they spend billions of dollars in marketing and advertising every year. Um, so we understand, you know, its place in American culture. Now, they know that ethanol is poison to humans. And someone probably just said, well, then why would they market it? Because it's a business. Alcohol is a business. And if you ask me, it's also another way to have population control. Eh. Mm, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Look at the numbers. How many people die from alcohol, you know, related accidents? Do you? I mean, it's a lot. So when I look at the fact that ethanol is poison to human beings and the fact that there is a complete industry built off of it. Hey, I mean, I'm just saying, if it looks like a duck, walks like a duck, it ain't quack like a duck, my man, it's a duck. <laughs> and if any, and look, I'm not making light of alcohol or the challenges that come with having an alcohol problem. I'm bringing attention to it. If you know somebody, if they appear to be drinking too much, inquire. You don't have to push, but inquire. Check on them. Ask them how they're doing. Ask them how their day is going. If they're in a relationship, ask them how their relationship is going. If they have children, ask them how their kids are going, how their kids are doing. There are ways to get to those of us who are battling with alcohol addiction. For me, alcohol addiction, I knew it became really bad when I began hiding those small personal shots that you buy at the store. They typically have them in the front of the liquor store in like little plastic buckets. They're like 99 cents, $1.99. And... Um, I'd buy those, snatch them up three at a time, throw them in my center console. And uh, I was drinking so much that I would forget that I even put the empty ones in there. And I would sometimes be riding around in my car for probably a week or two and then, you know, go get it, you know, go to the car wash. And um, while cleaning out my car, I'm finding four, five, six empty little shot glasses. Uh, some of them have full uh, every now and again, a full one. Um, and that's when I knew it was a problem because I wasn't remembering these things. And then I was bringing them home and hiding them in my sock drawer. I can't make this stuff up. I can't make it up. This is what my battle did to me. When I would drink late night and have vodka, I black out. Wouldn't even know it. My ex would find me in the... Um, backyard walking around looking for what she thought was the bathroom let that sink in for a second let that sink in just for a moment i'm gonna give you a second okay yes that is how much i was drinking i had to like i didn't realize that i was blacking out and then i was trying to connect the dots before i blacked out like okay what was i drinking vodka that's how i figured out that it was vodka wine Wine gave me the warm and fuzzies, but then it would normally give me the warm and fuzzies and then tuck me in. That's typically what wine does to me. Beer. Beer makes me go to the restroom a lot. 
uh, like a racehorse and I didn't really care about that too much. Um, and so I stopped kind of, you know, curved beer a little bit. And so remember, you know, going after a night of drinking and partying and then you pass out. Well, when you pass out, when I pass out, my brain is resting in alcohol. Ah, yeah, let that one sink in too. Neurologically, like it's 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 just soaking up, just soaking in alcohol. I hated the feeling of waking up hungover too. I don't miss that. I don't miss that at all. It's been nine years and running since my last drink. And that is the motivation that I carry with me every single moment of every day. I don't play with my sobriety because my sobriety is not to be played with. See, I tried that already. And then I got my second DUI. This is Living Your Truth. We'll be right back. Hey, Tavares here from Living Your Truth with Tavares. Always take time for your mental health. You matter. You are very important. And many people love having you around. So take the time for your mental health. I know life can get crazy. I know we all get busy. I know we got to be here, there, here. Oh, yeah. And can't forget that meeting. I get it. But take the time to give yourself enough time so that you can cruise along into your day and about your day. There's no need to be playing catch up throughout the day. We all hate that feeling. I know I do. I can't stand rushing. It gets on my last nerve. So I do myself the honor and the privilege of giving myself a bit more time just so that I don't have to rush. There's no need to build up all that angst, all that cortisol inside your body, all that adrenaline. It's not good for you. So give yourself the time and have a great day. We'll see you next week. Welcome back to the show. This is Living Your Truth with Tavares. I am him. And I want to thank each and every single one of y'all for tuning in and being here in this space, this safe space with me. You are witnessing something special. My evolution. Yeah, man. It's been a long time to get here, man. And I'm so happy and so proud to be here. I'm happy to just to be alive and be breathing with you guys to be one million with you. I was talking about my second DUI. Now, I'm not going to go into all the details just yet. I will say that I caught that DUI in another state. And it cost me a hell of a lot more money than the previous state. California does not mess around with that. Let's just be 100 about that. Well, no state, no, no state. It just costs a lot wherever you're at. The point is, don't drink and drive. It's not worth it, especially with all the ride sharing available. Lyft, Uber, please use it. Today, when I hear people getting DUIs, honestly, I'm like, damn, you deserve that dumb shit because you can use Uber, you can use Lyft, you, and look, if you can't call a friend and you can't use public transportation, then sit right where you are and sober up. Because when you do that, you're saving your life and potentially someone else's life. Now, 
You would have thought that I learned from the first one. I didn't. It's obvious. I thought I could manipulate the system and beat it. Um, the second one, having a great time, came into town. I was living out of the area. I came into town, hang out with a good friend of mine. And uh, we went up to San Francisco, had a great time, had a great time. And I had rented this really cool Dodge Charger SRT. Oh, man. Whew. Man. I like American muscle, old school cars, Cutlass, Chevelles, Le Mans, you know. Shout to all the old school lovers out there. Um, and so we're coming back from San Francisco and had a good evening, had a few. And uh, once again, almost home. Damn, almost home. And I wanted to see how fast I could make the car go. Now, someone probably just said, Tavares, duh. It's a Dodge Charger SRT. It goes fast. I know, I know, I know, I know. But I wanted to feel it. And so, uh, mind you, there was an open container in the center console. I believe it was Hennessy. I don't even like dark liquor because it just it, it, it just hits different with me. So there's that is. So don't see the CHP on the side. He's actually under the overpass that runs east west. Um, we don't see him. His lights are off. And as soon as we pass him, I was doing 107. And he hit me with the berries. Blue. Pull over. 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 <laughs> and I'm like, damn. What came to mind was the first DUI. What came to mind was my then girlfriend, uh, fiance, and just hearing her rip me a new one. And then what came to mind was the cost. And from there, I was like, damn. And then... I remembered that there was an open container, not only in the center console inside the car, but we had another bottle in the trunk. And then I remembered how thankful I was that my best friend was there with me because of his mouthpiece and how funny he can be in stressful situations. Shout my brother Otis. Man, let me tell you something. And again, I am not making light of my actions and what I did. What I'm talking about is I'm bringing attention to my actions and how I thought that I could manipulate my circumstances. See, I didn't want to take accountability for my alcohol problem. I didn't want to own or even admit to the fact that I had a problem. See, that's number one. You know someone right now who's probably trying to reach out for help and no one's paying attention because everyone's like, hey, that's just him or hey, that's just how she is. If you see your friends consuming more than two to four drinks in two to four hours, your friend is either binge drinking or they're trying to drink themselves, let's say, uh, into, a, in, into where they're not feeling anything, a.k.a. medicating. That's what I began doing. It wasn't long before, you know, things began to fall apart for myself. It wasn't long before the relationship that I was in at the time was beginning to deteriorate. And partially, I'm sure, due to my drinking, 
um, and due to the fact of, you know, we didn't get along, especially in that space, but we love to party together. So it's interesting what alcohol will do or what how it brings people together and how it keeps people um, together, whether they are codependent or they're just always fighting. And so I know with me in my life, alcohol has never served a positive purpose. It's always brought me, it's always put me, well, I've always put me in positions with alcohol in my system. That's the right way to say it. Because it's my choice. It's my choice to go to the store. And that's the other thing. See, the battle for me wasn't lost when I made the decision to go to the store. It wasn't lost at the counter when I gave the attendant my 20 bucks to get, you know, my two shots of Smirnoff and my little four pack of Sutter Home Chardonnay. I love the Nene. That was my drink. That was my thing. See, my battle was lost when I got up in the morning. See, the decision was already made to go to the liquor store. Probably within 10 minutes of me waking up in the morning. Some people think the battle is lost at the liquor store or when they're around certain friends. Uh Uh-uh, uh-uh, we ain't doing that. This is grown folk business. Unless you're a minor drinking, this is grown folk business and you shouldn't be a minor drinking. And if anyone knows a minor who's drinking, talk to that minor and their parents and help them to save their child. From a life of hardship. Now, for me, I do consider myself one of the lucky ones. I went to AA. For me, it was, you know, I wasn't sure if it was for me. However, I went for six months. I went to check it out. I did. I met a lot of people. I heard a lot of different stories. And I heard a lot of different takes on how people battled their alcoholism. And I tell you, alcohol does not discriminate at all. I met teachers and principals, firemen. I met accountants. I met lawyers. I met stay-at-home parents. Shoot. I met even elected officials. In this group of people, In this AA that I was in, and this was in Orange County at the time, um, it was such an experience that I'll never forget because I never thought I'd be in an AA group. I'd always seen them on TV, never thought I'd be in one. So I was just completely uncomfortable. But that's what needed to happen. I needed to be made to feel uncomfortable. And that even wasn't enough. I mean, when I say I tried to stop drinking more than 200 times, I don't mean 150 times. I don't mean 109 times. I mean 200 times. And it wasn't until I completely surrendered and I was so sick and tired of looking at myself in the mirror and feeling Like crap. I finally surrendered and I prayed. And that is why I'm here today. See, most people pray in the beginning. Not me. I prayed at the end. 
because I was trying to do it on my own. I was trying to mitigate my alcohol career. My career hurt a lot of people and myself. I picked up many bad habits. And for anyone who thinks that if they just stop drinking, everything gets really, really peachy for you. You're wrong. At least for myself. That's when the real work began. I had to really start dealing with my own demons. I had to really start looking inward instead of looking to blame or to project all the broken parts of me onto someone else who did not deserve that. I could talk about this forever because I've been there and I have so much to share. But I'm going to table the rest for another time. I want to thank each and every single one of you who has taken the time out of your beautiful day to be here with me today. If you know somebody right now struggling. Reach out to them. Don't make them feel weird. Don't do that. Just be yourself in being their friend. Just be yourself in being their. Their loved one. Their life partner. Just be there for them. Listen to them. Don't tell them what they need to do. Let me say this again for y'all. Don't tell them what they need to do. Just be supportive. That's really what they will respond to. Why do I say that? Because I lived it. And I responded when people were genuine. Now, with that being said, I still had to, I had to be accountable. So I still had to do the work. But the people who reached out when they did, I never forgot them. Because it was those, it, it, it was their check-ins with me that let me know, okay, I do matter. People are checking for me. So, if you know someone right now who's struggling, don't make them feel weird. Just be there for them and be genuine. Don't go in there being all high and mighty and trying to tell them how they should be and all self-righteous. That's not cool. Love them. And if you love them, then you'll love them. I want to thank everybody for tuning in today. If you have any comments, questions, or concerns, please email us at livingyourtruthpodcast at gmail.com. You can follow us on Twitter at L-I-V-I-N-U-R Truth. And if you are on TikTok, Facebook, or Instagram, we are at Living Your Truth Podcast. Thank you guys so very much. This is something special. You're witnessing something special. And we're all about inclusion, not exclusion here. So, Anyone can come on the show at any given time. You guys have the contact info. Be the best versions of yourself. And until the next time, live your truth. Peace. Be sure to email us at livingyourtruthpodcast at gmail.com. And if you're on Twitter, we are at L-I-V-I-N-U-R Truth. And if you're on TikTok, Instagram, or Facebook, we are at Living Your Truth Podcast. Next time on Living Your Truth with Tavares. Vibrations.
yours and mine's. On the next Living Your Truth with Tavares. <laughs> yeah. That's right. Oh, yeah. Husk. What's up? Living your truth. I know what I want and I know what I need. Living my truth is really hard, but it's setting me free. Ain't got no time for the faking, cause the love is the point. If they knock me down, then I, I get up. Dust myself off, love myself in the best way. They want you to fall and have nothing to say. Don't make a move, don't make a move, don't make a sound. Don't make a sound. I've come too far, I've come too far to give up now. I know that's right. This is living your truth.